Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Good evening. I'm Dr. Gina, and this is Primetime. Welcome. It is T-minus two days until the Biden-Harris administration takes power in Washington, D.C., and they have some big plans. Among them, a pathway to citizenship for 11 million illegal aliens rejoining the Paris uh, Climate Accords is another, and mask mandates on federal property, overturning the Trump travel ban from Muslim countries, canceling the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline, all the things you might expect on a radical left agenda. And coming up a little later on in the show, we will have a former Trump White House advisor, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, on how he plans to weather the next four years of the Biden-Harris administration. And at last check, the Real Dr. Gina Twitter account is down around 40,000 followers, and Twitter is down $5 billion in market value. And that is where some legal minds say that a lawsuit against Twitter might be fruitful. If you are interested in a lawsuit against Twitter, you will want to stick around more for later in the show because we have someone who is planning exactly that. But first, let's head around America to our hosts and correspondents out around the country. Carrie Sheffield is the host of Just the News AM, and she is in Washington, D.C. Carrie, what do you have for us there today? Hey there, I know Dr. Gina. I want to let you know the latest about the intelligence, the dispute over who had influence on the 2020 election. Now, our reporting at justthenews.com found that the director of national intelligence says that China sought to influence America's 2020 federal election. And what he says was interesting. He says, from my unique vantage point as the individual who consumes all of the U.S. government's most sensitive intelligence on the People's Republic of China, I do not believe the majority view expressed by intelligence community analysts fully and accurately reflects the scope of the Chinese government's influence to efforts to influence the 2020 U.S. federal elections. Now, this is what he said reportedly in a letter to Congress, and he said that basically the fact that the intelligence community has not been aggressive enough about pointing out China's influence here is a problem. Now, we do know from earlier intelligence reports that reportedly China wanted Donald Trump to be removed and he wanted they wanted Donald Trump to lose to Joe Biden. Again, we need to pick up the pieces here and determine what exactly China was trying to do, what were their methods, what was their, uh, you know, attack approach here. Um, and the big question now is, now that Joe Biden is going to be coming into office, will this information ever be brought to light? You can bet that John Solomon and the news team here at Just the News will be digging into this uh, for possibly years to come. Thanks so much, Dr. Gina. Back to you. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much to you too, Carrie. Yes, there's always a lot popping at justthenews.com, our partners there with Real America's Voice. But you know what? Washington, D.C. is a virtual ghost town, with the exception of, of course, all of the law enforcement keeping all of the people of the nation out of the nation's capital. It's the craziest thing ever. Having been there just uh, not long ago, just a few days ago, it's just hard to imagine if you haven't seen it. But so let's head on over to Denver, Colorado, where Jessica Rivera is standing by at our Real America's Voice headquarters right there. Jessica, what do you have today? And Dr. Gina, as we all know, 
Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and when this day comes around, we are reminded to remember his legacy with acts of service that address social problems around us, wherever that may be. And today, many people ask, would Dr. King be supportive of the Black Lives Matters movement? Of course, we'll never know exactly or certainly, but we can make an educated guess as to where he would most likely stand by his actions during his time alive. Martin Luther King Jr. was born in 1929 at a time when the South was very much racially segregated. After King spent a summer in the North working at a Connecticut tobacco farm, he realized and experienced that people did not live racially divided everywhere, and it really stuck with him. King eventually went on to college. He became a Baptist minister, but more importantly, he became the civil rights activist who led the civil rights movement from the mid-1950s to his death in 1968 in America. Reverend King made a name for himself, not only for leading such an impactful movement of equality in the United States, but he did so with nonviolent methods. King used methods like peaceful marches and peaceful protests, where he always encouraged his supporters to not fight back, and he himself never fought back when he was physically attacked by authorities and critics. During Martin Luther King's time here on Earth, King was responsible for the Civil Rights Act of 1964 passing, the Voting Rights Act of 1965. King also protested the U.S.'s involvement in the Vietnam War, and he spoke out for the poor. Hence why Martin Luther King Jr. is still remembered and honored to this day, because he created change without violence. Therefore, we can only figure Dr. King would not be supportive of the BLM movement, for the mere fact that violence is often the means to an end for this group. And it was put on full display for the world to see over the summer months. When American cities were burned and looted by rioters, Dr. King believed in change, but with peaceful action and words, which is why it is so important to remember the true meaning of Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy and not what some people want to make it into to conveniently fit their narrative. And Dr. Gina, another thing we must remember is that Dr. Martin Luther King, yes, during, the, during his time, it was be a lot of strife between blacks and whites. But in reality, he wanted it to be equal amongst all colors, all race, all creed. And that's something we have to remember. It wasn't just about black and white. It was about equality for everyone. And it was for everyone around the world. Back to you. You know, you make such a poignant and important point tonight, Jessica, at a time where our politicians are trying to divide us uh, over everything from race to uh, gender preference to uh, skin color. And then you hearken back to the words of Martin Luther King, who said that he would prefer we be judged based on our character. Character is about the last thing on the minds of most politicians today. And I think that says a lot about the state of our body politic today. Um, but we're going to talk a lot more about Dr. Martin Luther King and this uh, Martin Luther King Remembrance Day coming up later in the show. For now, we want to head over to Joseph Weber. He is the news editor at Just the News. Joseph, what stories are you working on today over at Just the News? I'm working on a bunch of different things. One, I want to go back to what you were talking about, about the security detail that's around here in Washington, the 25,000 yeah. National Guardsmen, and amongst other things. And some of the sort of breathless reporting that we've seen from uh, more mainstream media coming out uh, this weekend, they had this story of a man, young, a man by the name of Wesley Beeler from Virginia who was caught at a security um, checkpoint 
uh, with a, a loaded gun and not having the correct pass. And immediately people just sort of jumped to the conclusions that they had gotten sort of the first person to breach. Well, they really kind of found out that he, he describes himself as a security contractor, he's a country boy, he just didn't realize in which state uh, position he was there in the line or layer of security. He had a clearance pass. It was just the wrong one. Acknowledges the fact that he should have taken his gun out, but he said he was running late. Um, this story sort of unraveled pretty quickly here. And then we have earlier today, the Associated Press reporting that the Defense Department is vetting all 25,000 National Guardsmen uh, for concerns of in, uh, some sort of internal strike. Defense Department and Christopher Miller said, well, originally reporting by um, our intelligence reporter, Susan Katz-Keating, uh, on her own, and then the acting defense secretary, Christopher Miller, coming out just a bit ago saying, look, uh, this is routine. Anytime that you're going to have somebody, you know, 25,000 people with guns that close, you know, to the president, president-elect and all these officials, uh, it's due diligence to take a look at these people. But there's no, they're not acting on any actionable intelligence or any real uh, or perceived threat that uh, any of these uh, National Guardsmen are attempting to try to pull off some inside attack. So a uh, little breathless reporting there by mainstream media on some of the uh, activities going on here at the security detail. Uh, what Do we have any insight as to why the president wanted to depart Washington on Inauguration Day while still officially president? Has he made any comment on that or is there any follow-up to that story? He hasn't really said, but having covered him for so long, you know, and um, even, you know, before the primary, during the primary, the general election and uh, these four years, um, I don't think anyone would argue the fact that um, Donald Trump really, really enjoyed being president. He wants to, he, he fought to the bitter end to keep uh, his presidency and he wants to go out as the president of the United States. He wants to leave an Air Force One. Uh, you could just tell that um, to some extent, as much as he's a very, uh, mature grown man that the, the, almost the child, the kid-like uh, glee that he had in actually winning that race, pulling off uh, such an inside straight, all of those battleground states that he won that no one thought he would. And he wants to leave as president of the United States. He wants to leave on Air Force One. He wants to be, say goodbye to all his well-wishers and all his uh, staffers at Andrews Air Force Base. That's where the helicopter leaves from the ellipse to the uh, Air Force One, whichever. Air Force One, as you know, is always the plane that he's on or the helicopter he's on, but typically the plane that takes him places. So he just wants to go out uh, as he came in as president. I have a question for you. Are you going to be there at the West Palm Beach International Airport to greet him? I think I probably will be there, Joseph. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking. Um, as someone who's flown on Air Force One with the president, I have to tell you, I don't blame him one bit for going out that way. I think that, uh, you know, so many accomplishments uh, for this president. I think we should expect every Republican and every Democrat president uh, to, you know, make and keep as many promises as this president did. Every politician, for that matter, should be held to account for the promises they make um, and to have to list them and to have to put in writing that they kept them. I think that that would be a better body politic in a nonpartisan form all the way around, Joseph. But I wanted to ask you something about those uh, National Guardsmen that we've ha heard a lot of chatter about that I know you at Just the News are doing a lot of investigating uh, on, um, having been there not, you know, just a, just a matter of days ago and seeing the city so shut down as it is. It's a, it's, an, it's a virtual ghost town. A lot of people are taking offense to this, saying, hey, that's the people's, people's capital. It's the people's city. You know, it shouldn't be shut down this way. It certainly wasn't. Uh, this this uh, formality was certain not, certainly not given to Donald Trump. He had massive protests. We had uh, car bombs and looting and rioting and everything else 
for Donald Trump's inauguration. Is this fair? Is this not fair? But one of the really interesting stories that I'm hearing is that um, many of these National Guardsmen have been given specific um, they've been specifically investigated and asked political questions. Um, are you hearing about this? I have not heard that, but I would just tell you that if they are asked political questions, that that would be a problem, I think, for most people. Um, they've taken an oath um, you know, to protect the United States. And um, regardless, I think, whatever your political affiliation is, that you will live by that. And um, to suggest that anything that they might do or say, you know, in the act of defending or guarding uh, Americans from harm uh, would be, you know, that politics would come into it would be pretty unfair. Um, also, I wanted to ask you, um, we know that the president is headed back to his home, as you mentioned, uh, here in Palm Beach, Florida, where we are. Um, and uh, and I, I'm wondering, because we're hearing this story also on Just the News, that former Florida data scientist um, for COVID um, is to turn herself in on an arrest warrant. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, update. Uh, she turned herself in. Um, earlier today. She said she would do it Sunday. And she's basically live tweeted uh, the whole experience. But real quick for um, your viewers, um, this is Rebecca James. She was a uh, data scientist. She raised some flags about some of the data that was being used um, and raised questions about it. Um, she had illegal, they dismissed her. Um, she continued to try to have access to the state computers actually she, apparently she did uh, they raided her home uh, she continued to tell people according to the warrant uh, people in the state department um, to continue to speak out against the data uh, she suggested that while there's an insurgence they're trying uh, here in washington uh, agents and federal and state agents are all too busy trying to you know come after a data scientist uh, so she has been very critical uh, of what uh, Governor Ron DeSantis has done. Uh, not That's not so much the issue, but the fact that she continued to try to access uh, the data because she created the, helped create the coronavirus database or dashboard, as they called it, and then continued to try to access. There was some mystery about what this warrant was about. She had continued to deny on social media that it was about her effort to try to access uh, the computer and convince others who were still working for the state uh, to speak out. And that apparently, now that it's come out, um, that is what the arrest warrant is for. All right. Well, we will be following all of this. Thank you so much, Joseph Weber, of our partners there at Just the News in Washington, D.C. We'll follow all of these stories, as you know, here at Real America's Voice. Coming up, the mainstream media is about to change big time in the next few days, so much that you may not recognize it. We're going to talk about it coming up next. More Dr. Gina Primetime coming at you. Stick around. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Dr. Tina Primetime. The talking heads in the media say they are looking forward to life returning to normal in Washington, D.C., an establishment politician cozying up to China and the rest of the global elite rarely making waves except to start a new war here and there. Back to the good old days of a politician who's chosen by the media and the elite, not the people. 
That's the D.C. way. But the mainstream media should watch what they wish for. They've enjoyed a president who gave them access and news to report every moment of every day. News reporting as we know it is about to change drastically. Here with us now, president of Phyllis Schlafly's Eagles, Ed Martin. Ed, good to see you. Ed, what will the mainstream media talk about every day as they wait for President Joe Biden to wake up from his nap and come up from the basement of the White House to the TV cameras? Yeah. Well, Dr. Gina, you know, you had a front row seat all these years now with uh, President Trump, having known him before he was in the office. But as you point out, he used Twitter as a tool to actually govern. I mean, if you hated that, then, you you know, it was a hard four years. But he would respond to the will of the people. He would actually ask for his experts in, in government to respond to we the people. It was very powerful. It was very empowering. I think you're right that uh, we, we're going to be uh, left, we the people are going to be left out a little bit uh, more than we even, I think, will realize. But as you point out, I think the lazy mainstream fake news are really happy. They're going to write stories about Dr. Jill Biden and Joe Biden's courtship. There's a lengthy piece, I think AP ran, about how they met again. I mean, all this nonsense. They never did this fluff for Donald Trump and Melania or anybody else. But here's the real question, as you point out. Uh, If you have this lax media, what's going to be done by the bureaucrats? You know, the people that have come back into power, Susan Rice and her people, they are very adept at using the bureaucracy and the law against we the people. I have one more prediction, Gina, uh, Dr. Gina. I think that uh, that Donald Trump, that, that the media won't be able to resist. I think they want an impeachment trial. I suspect you're going to see the New York Attorney General try to indict Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump is going to be front and center in the news, and Joe Biden is going to be, as you say, resting comfortable uh, in the East Room or wherever the White House, the, 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 the family quarters are. I mean, I saw a video of Joe Biden meandering around a stage just a couple days yeah. ago, um, and he literally didn't know where he was, didn't know what he was doing, wasn't being able, was, wasn't able to put a sentence together. I mean, Joe Biden is not going to be running things. Let's face yeah. it. I just, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think that he were at this point. If he's going to functionally entitle be the president of the United States, I remember when Obama was was inaugurated. I wanted to believe, despite my doubts and my fears, that Barack Obama was going to be a great president, that he would bring people together, that he would end the racial division that he promised to rather than deepening it. Um, I wanted to believe all those things. I want to believe the best about a Biden administration. Um, But when you see the feeble of this particular man, you realize that there's not a lot of hope you come back from that yeah. level of, of um, whatever he's going through. Yeah. And, uh, and you realize that he's probably not going to be running things. So then who will? Well, look, two, again, two observations. The contrast is going to be extraordinary. You can dislike a lot of Donald Trump's hires, and I did. You know, I think Reince Priebus was a terrible hire, but Donald Trump fired them. I mean, in other words, the guy that was in charge of our military, in charge of our foreign policy, was Donald Trump. Whether you liked it or not, he was in charge. He was going to be in charge. He had opinions. When he saw bureaucrats make a decision he didn't like, he made them change it right away. What you just said is the key. We don't know who Joe Biden is going to be as president, but we don't need to know. Because what Ron Klain, the incoming chief of staff, put out was a list of executive orders that they're going to put in place. They're going to take make it so that little boys yeah. can compete against little girls in track, abortion 
abortion will be paid for with American tax dollars overseas. The so-called Muslim ban, which is actually a ban on terrorists coming to our country, will be taken away. And the 11 million, really 25 million, illegals are about to get a shot at amnesty, so they're rushing the southern border. That doesn't matter who Joe Biden is. The reality is the far left of this country are in power, and the one thing we really should worry about is how they're going to punish we the people who put our head up and said, um, we don't like that. They've shown an interest in punishing people who use free speech and freedom of assembly and freedom of religion. It's a, it, it, People have a right to be nervous and anxious, but then again, I think our system and our people will, uh, will bring us back from this brink too. You know, I, I live in Palm Beach, as, as I mention on this show often, and Palm Beach has really become a second financial center uh, in the United States because so many people from New York have chosen to move here. Uh, some of the very most prominent people um, in the financial centers of New York have chosen to move here. They've done it quietly, but I happen to know because I hear when their children register in our schools and things <laughs> like that. Um, right. And so, so that being the case, I'm hearing a lot of, um, a lot of hesitance uh, with the markets. I'm hearing a lot of um, yeah. concern over economic things, you know, all, all things uh, investment, all things yeah. um, speaking to the future of our economy. Um, and I just wanted to get from you, uh, what do you think happens to me when, when immediately Joe Biden says, you know, oh, no more pipeline, when immediately Joe yeah. Biden says minimum, uh, minimum wage mandate is happening, uh, when immediately yeah. he says, oh, we're going we're gonna to not give President Trump any credit on Operation Warp Speed, but we are going to uh, mandate vaccines and we're going to mandate masks, even though people supposedly have the vaccine now, right? Uh, right. Just all of this it makes for a financial upheaval in the markets. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen there? Well, I mean, it, and don't trust me, Dr. Gina. I, I was asking the same question for the last four days from people that are smarter than me on, in, the, in the markets and economists. And what you put your finger on is exactly right, the uncertainty. Because, look, we all hoped, I think, that Donald Trump would get a second term in large part because he was draining the swamp. It was taking longer than many of us would like, but he was doing it generally. But now, uh, uh, Joe Biden's administration, they've announced a new director of the Consumer Protection Board, that far-left, uh, you know, uh, uh, regulating cr regulation created entity, uh, Janet Yellen at Treasury. Look, interest rates are probably going up. Already we see that the, the prospect of joining the Paris Climate Accord again, which costs our, our, our companies billions, it costs our economy trillions, and Paris Climate Accord requires us to regulate as part of the deal. So people are nervous. I think the market is, is, uh, is watching closely. I have some confidence, I, no, I have some hope that the, the closeness of the Senate will hold off some of the craziness. But I have to tell you, my instinct is we're in for a tough 2021. It certainly won't be the first three years of the Trump boom. You know, then the last year was this COVID crisis. I think we're in for a stalled, if not a downturn. And watch what happens when the people in this country feel instead of they have a leader who says, let's lift Team America, that was Trump. Instead, we have a hyphenated president who wants to use the hyphen as a sword to divide us. And watch Watch the feeling it engenders in people. It will be very disturbing. And again, the 2022 election can't come fast enough to try to check some of that power. Uh, but uh, we're in for a tough ride on the economy. I think you're right. Yeah, and we haven't even talked about the CCP in China. So anyway, <laughs> Ed, thank you so much. Uh, let's have you back on again soon. Appreciate you being with us. Thank you, Dr. Gina.
All right, after dealing with the COVID-19 virus for a year, we still know little about the origins of the virus, but the State Department has released a report in the final days of the Trump administration that says COVID-19 may have escaped from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh, it's a laboratory in China. Here with me now to discuss Real America's Voice contributor and molecular biologist, Dr. Tom Borelli. Dr. Borelli, you wrote a column on this. What do we know from the State Department report? Well, the State Department report, I think, is really important because what they really do is they list a number of facts that point to, they don't conclude, but point to actually the COVID virus might have been from an accidental release from scientists doing research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. They list a number of facts, and I think the most important fact was the issue that they noted, according to the State Department, that back in last fall in 2019, that a number of researchers at the Institute had COVID-like symptoms. And then as we know from the timeline, the fall goes into the winter there, and that's we, you know, last year we started to see the first cases. So we know that I found was very compelling. The other aspects are we know that lab was engaging in what we call, it's really risky research, it's called gain of function research, where they would take a virus that's naturally occurring, they change it genetically, genetically so to be more infectious. The theory is so that they can study it and if something like that escaped and uh, became real in the real world, you could stop it because you knew how it worked. Well, that's very, very risky research and there have been a number of examples in China and actually around the world where these sophisticated labs have had accidental releases of viruses. So it's clearly possible that it came from the lab. A whole lot of the scientific community, however, believe it came from a natural origin. And in fact, the World Health Organization right now has a group of researchers, a year after, by the way, in China doing an investigation. But they're not really looking at the lab hypothesis. They're looking at the natural origin hypothesis. And there's an individual on that panel who has a huge conflict of interest. He actually was an individual who funded the Wuhan lab, and now he's there investigating, you know, the, the lab itself. So it, it, it's really a mess. So what does this mean in terms of what we're experiencing today here in the United States? You know, we keep hearing about these mutations in the virus, and all the reports I've heard say that the mutations actually mean that the virus is weaker now. Um, but what does this mean in terms of, number one, you know, what we're experiencing in terms of the illness itself, Dr. Borelli, but number two, um, you know, how much longer they're going to have our whole entire country, especially our businesses, hogtied with the reputation of this virus? Well, clearly, you know, all roads lead to China, whether it's accidental release from the lab or whether it was natural origin, because China hid the ball in, in, in either or both cases. But right now, what we're seeing is the virus, as viruses do, they change genetically. They're trying to, the virus is, is just trying to propagate itself. So it, it changes and is trying to, you know, really grow and infect more people. And some people think that the new strain is actually infecting more people. But I, the good news was really what President Trump did with Operation Warp Speed. We have two vaccines on the market right now. There's more vaccines coming. So once people get vaccinated, that will give them the, uh, the protection from further, hopefully further changes in the virus, at least those in the near term. Viruses were always changed. There's a remote chance 
that the virus actually could change to such a degree that the vaccine wouldn't work. But by then, we'll have more science and be able to cope with it. But in the short term, I think we just have to hope the vaccine works, which it looks like, and then start to open these businesses. Because I know you're very well aware that the other side of the ledger, clearly COVID has had caused a lot of health uh, damage here in the United States. But on the other side of the ledger, there are, you know, increase in drug use, uh, spousal abuse, child abuse, uh, drug addiction, uh, suicides, all from the lockdowns. And not to say from all the, you know, resulting from a lot of the bankruptcies and people just being trapped at home. So going forward, I hope we're able to look at both sides of the ledger. But with Biden, I'm not sure if he can do that, though, unfortunately. Well, and I guess that brings me to my question. I mean, I think that there are few who feel like Biden is, isn't in many ways compromised to China. I think probably a lot of Democrats even have their questions about that. Um, if that's the case, um, and if China feels emboldened, what is to make Americans think that the COVID virus is the only biological warfare that might be at their disposal? Might there be others? And if so, do you have any idea what those kinds of things might be? Well, certainly it's a really good question because it's very big picture. We need really to figure out what happened in that lab and make sure it doesn't happen again. And to your point, I'm not sure if uh, President-elect Joe Biden is the man who actually can challenge China, and I highly doubt it. So it's just going to be up to, you know, we the people to keep things uh, above board, try to communicate as much as we can to educate the American people. Because at the end of the day, it's public opinion that drives politicians. So we need to get messages out about the virus, where it came from, ask tough questions, ask tough questions of scientists so that we all know the truth. And that's why I'm happy I'm able to talk about this tonight on your show. Well, I'm happy you're here too, Dr. Borelli, but this kind of information and knowing uh, what we do know about Hunter Biden and the dealings of the Biden family with China makes this something that I'm sure we're gonna wanna follow up with you on in the days to come. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Coming up, can Twitter be sued? Well, my next guest says yes, and he might just be doing something about that. Stick around. More Dr. Gina Prime Time coming up after this. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. The social media purge continues. I've lost, I think, around 40%. My, my producer keeps writing in my prompter that I've lost 40,000 followers. It's far more than that, by the way. You keep writing that. But it's the problem that you don't realize, Mr. Producer, is that I lose more every day. So you've been writing 40,000 since like a week ago, but every day I lose tens of thousands more. So we've, we've clarified that now with the producer. Um, but, you know, everybody's losing them, and some more than others. Some have lost their accounts uh, altogether. 
Um, and some people are just closing their accounts. And so that's part of the reason for some of the following that I've lost. But the amazing thing is that I've unfollowed an exponential amount of people also, which of course I haven't actually unfollowed, which makes me wonder what all is going on with Twitter. Anyway, um, you know, Jack Dorsey says he's going to keep America safe by uh, making sure that conservatives don't have a voice on Twitter. Actually, he didn't say that, but that's the insinuation. Over on Facebook, users say certain words or phrases like stop the steal that question the election results. Um, their accounts need to be silenced as well. But can these companies just silence users with total impunity now that Democrats have control? Well, radio talk show host Kevin McCullough says, not so fast, Jack. Kevin McCullough joins us now. Kevin, it's great to have you with us. I enjoy doing your radio you. show uh, just about every Monday. Kevin, your column over at townhall.com is called Sue Jack, Save Freedom. Kevin, could a lawsuit like that really happen? Well, if you'd asked people about two or three weeks ago, and by the way, your producer is wrong. You're absolutely right. You've lost more than 100,000 followers. I know because I, know I check in on you every now and then. I was like, wait, she Thank was over 300K at one point, and you're now under 200K. So the math is simple. That's right. Uh, but a couple of weeks ago, if you had said that to people, the reaction you would get, and that I did from a number of people that I inquired about, was why can't we hold uh, Twitter accountable? And lawyers were telling me, they're a private company. They're a private company. They're a private company. It's not a government entity. But I did a little research, and the more I looked, the more I really came to the conclusion that they're not as private as what everybody would like them to, to believe. First of all, Gina, do you know who the top 10 shareholders of Twitter are? If you just had to take a wild guess. I have absolutely no idea. All of them, all of the top 10 are financial services and investment fund companies. What does that mean? That means that a lot of Americans are holding Twitter in their 401ks. Now that's important for this reason. If there's 751 million shares out there and hundreds of millions of Americans have them in their 401k and Jack Dorsey decides to take punitive action against his own company, he's got what's called a fiduciary liability ready to be waged against him. And so now, a couple of weeks later, after I did lose my account, uh, being suspended for a false uh, claim of inciting violence, uh, we are now gathering a legal eagle group of uh, guys that have really looked at new media and some of the ways that some of this applies. And we actually believe there's a massive class action suit in the making to hold Jack Dorsey accountable for purposefully torpedoing not only his company, but the ability of consumers across the country to find the the people that they uh, wish to go hear from and to keep those people from reaching the audiences that they gave equity to Twitter in the process of opening an account for them in the process of, of uh, shutting all of that off surreptitiously and with inconsistent uh, enforcement of their own rules. But, you know, here's the thing, I guess, you know, for, for those of us who've watched what just went down in the courts, uh, confidence in the courts these days, Kevin, isn't at exactly an all-time high. Um, what, is the, what is the confidence that a court system that we've just watched in action um, is going to decide in the favor of the First Amendment? Well, it's interesting that you ask that because the attorney that I spoke with last today, and there were about three that I had meetings with, um, actually has a rather novel idea. Instead of uh, playing by Twitter's rules and terms and making us go to them to sue them wherever their headquarters are, 
they willfully came to the states of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, where my listeners uh, live. They willfully offered their services within those states. And we believe that playing a little bit of small ball in a state court with a state suit filed in a state court by by representatives of that local community has the chance to begin that conversation the best. There's no proof that we're going to have any uh, success. But when you come to the the question of whether or not Jack Dorsey willfully committed liability against the own fiduci- his own fiduciary responsibility to make his company profitable, you can't argue it. He lost $7 billion last week, lost more than 16% of the net worth of the company, and he did so without cause. He did so on purpose. He purposefully broke the cycle of being able to be profitable for his shareholders. I think that's something the holders of those 751 million shares probably care about. It is interesting because you look at, you know, for example, um, when Melania sued about things that were falsely written about her and and, and won, um, there were others. I know Katrina Pearson also had a lawsuit about something that was falsely written about her. So then when um, some of the tabloids wrote some things that were false about me um, regarding my degree and some other things, and I went ahead and sued, um, you know, all of those things started to go well for conservatives as the courts started to listen. So it makes you think that perhaps... Um, you know, this this could play out in similar ways um, that, you know, there there should be there should be, you know, just equal justice under the law. I mean, it's, it's you know, it sounds cliche at this point, but there really should be that. There should be some recourse for people who really, truly have done nothing wrong and are punished for having done nothing wrong. And so uh, it could be, you know, that you're right about that. Kevin, I saw something disturbing over at CNN. Check this out. And I want to get your reaction. Watch. And second, we have to turn down the capability of these conservative influencers to reach these huge audiences. There are, are people on YouTube, for example, that have a larger, daytime, a larger audience than daytime CNN, and they are extremely radical and pushing extremely uh, radical views. And so it's up to the Facebooks and YouTubes in particular to think about whether or not they want to be effectively cable networks for disinformation. I mean, God forbid an influencer have a larger audience than the almighty CNN. I'm watching that post, and I'm thinking, Kevin, he just really wants to crawl in a hole and die at that point. He does not want to be sitting there with his face on his screen while his guest is actually pointing out that the reason they're doing all of this is because there are conservative influencers out there with a larger audience than CNN. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And he mentioned CNN Daytime, which has resec- respectable ratings compared to Brian Stelter, who who was uh, the host of that segment right there. But it's true. And this is part of the new media economy, Gina. We're, we're li- we live in a different age, and the town square is shaped differently. And First Amendment protections, if they are going to be protected, are going to have to be thought through. You, you made mention of the fact that it took Katrina Pearson and yourself and others to uh, launch lawsuits and to finally say enough's enough. As long as everybody's willing to give Twitter and Facebook and YouTube the, uh, the impossibility of ever being challenged, they will continue to abuse that power. But when people start to fight back and say, wait a minute, that's not true. You accused me of inciting violence. Every person that I've ever uh, talked to about why my Twitter uh, handle was suspended laughed when I gave them the reason. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not a violent person in any respect. And for them to say no. that about me was was something that was uh, humorous if it wasn't so sad. It's the 
arbitrary, disingenuous, random nature of how they choose to uh, to enforce their rules that make this problematic. And as as far as it goes, we believe that there may even be a bit of a uh, of a bait and switch uh, tactic that they that they engage in because they encourage you to open account, they endorse you and give you a little stamp of approval when they verify you. They benefit from the equity that your brand as a broadcaster brings to their platform when you bring an audience in to follow them there. And then you spend years investing in that brand, furthering the equity that they get to make money off of their ads and so forth. What we are dealing with here is a company who's willing to take from a consumer and then not stand accountable for why they suddenly and surreptitiously cut them off from the audience that they've uh, allowed them to build. We think it's unjust. We think there are a lot of issues here that need to be explored. And I'm putting together the legal team that hopefully will take it head on. You know, this reminds me an awful lot of a certain airline that, you know, I walked onto about a week <laughs> ago and they said, you can promptly get off this airline or we're bringing in the police and evacuating the entire airline. I'm like, what did I do? And this has happened to many conservative influencers once again, uh, you know, from David, J David Harris Jr., uh, Jack Brewer. Um, and many others that, uh, you know, are no longer allowed to ride on airlines for their political beliefs. And so uh, the crazy gets even crazier and it has to stop somewhere. So hopefully the court systems and some uh, well-placed class action suits uh, will straighten some of this uh, crazy and we can get back to some normal functioning. Um, but Kevin, always appreciate your strong positions taken. Uh, you know, they're not going to accuse Kevin McCullough of doing something he didn't do without him fighting back. And I love that about you. And you can catch me every single Monday on Kevin's radio show. And Kevin, thank you so much for being with us. Dr. Jean, it's great to be with you. All right, coming up, Dr. Sebastian Gorka has some tips for Trump supporters to get through the Biden-Harris administration. You know you're going to need these. Don't miss it. More Dr. Gina Primetime coming at you right after this. Welcome back. The Biden-Harris administration almost happening, and it's going to be a long four years. How can Trump supporters get through it? Here to help, radio talk show host, former White House advisor, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Good to see you, Dr. G. Uh, how can Trump supporters get through these next four years? Tell me you have some advice. Yeah, well, first things first, uh, Gina, we've got to have a sense of, of reality. Uh, jettison all the crazy ideas. I had multiple callers today talk about the Insurrection Act, the president's going to use the military. I spoke to the president yesterday. I called him up in the White House. We chatted. He's conceded. He's not happy about it. He's not disappearing from politics, that's for sure. But let's have a dose of reality. A senile old man is going to be sworn in as the 46th president this Wednesday. However, he's not as powerful as the media would have you believe. Obama, remember, had a 10-seat majority in the Senate. He had the White House. He had the House of Representatives. And all that he could do is the Obamacare. They have a 50-50 split in the Senate. Every time they want to do something really crazy, Kamala Harris is going to have to jump in the beast, drive across D.C., and vote that tie-breaking vote. And it's just not going to happen on stuff when, when it's really out there, like making Guam, you know, the 51st state. So calm down. We've, we've, we've survived much worse before. But my, my real lesson, my, my real advice is courage, courage, courage. 
and get involved. Don't complain. Don't sit at home moaning. Run for office, especially local office, the most important thing you can do, and be full of good cheer and courage. We can sustain this republic if everybody takes a little leaf out of Donald Trump's book and has a spine, Dr. G. I love that. Uh, do you think that, what do you, what do you think the president, having spoken to him, what do you think his next move is as far as his involvement um, as, you know, head of the MAGA movement for sure, but head of uh, the party? Look, he deserves a rest. Uh, I don't think he's going to take one. You know him. He you know sleeps two and a half hours a, a night. He's worked yes. every day. God sends him for the last four years. I, I'd like him to go to Mar-a-Lago and just relax with the first lady for a week or two and get back into politics straight away. I thought after the assault on Congress, he was in big trouble. For a year or two, he'd have to decide. He'd have to go low on the radar, get back to work in, in, in Manhattan. After that, an abortion of an of a, uh, impeachment last week where they impeached him in eight hours with no evidence and were proud of it. I told him yesterday, you can get back into politics as soon as you like. So he will be the kingmaker. He may run again in yep. 2024. But one thing is for sure, the GOP is Donald J. Trump's party now. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Dr. Sebastian Gorka, always so much wisdom from you. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. So sorry we're short on time, but good to have you. And now it's time for Doctor's Orders. As many of you know, I spent most of my life in Missouri. My husband was a former state representative and senator there, and I would ride with him back and forth from our home in St. Louis to the state capitol in Jefferson City every week during session. On our long drives, we listened to audiobooks, and one book in particular instructed us to write our biggest goal, something that seems impossible. The author asked, if you could achieve anything, anything at all, what would it be? Well, my husband and I each decided on our goal and revealed them to each other. And we found out that we both chose the exact same thing. If we could have a goal, it would be to end abortion. My husband spent his political career in Missouri trying to achieve that goal. His legislation that he wrote and passed was some of the most groundbreaking pro-life legislation in the country at that time. And the language from that legislation has been used as the basis nationwide in other bills to save the lives of the unborn in other states. Now during that time we also searched for a baby to adopt that was slated for abortion. We searched for years, nearly a decade actually, to find that baby. We traveled to Russia and visited some of the most disturbing orphanages you've ever seen. I called Planned Parenthoods around the country, begging them to tell pregnant women that they could reach out to us if they were thinking of having an abortion. Of course, Planned Parenthood did never refer anyone to us. One of the operators answering the phones at a Planned Parenthood once asked me to stop calling and said, we aren't in the business of adoptions at Planned Parenthood. But through a piece of a series of miracles that you can read in my books um, that I don't have time to actually share with you today, we found a baby with Down syndrome who had been slated for abortion. We found Samuel. Today, he's a happy, healthy 14-year-old boy who is such a huge blessing to our family, and I couldn't imagine life without him. Over the weekend, a friend sent me an article, the headline from the Christian Post, and it read like this. Um, thanks to the legislature, oh, it read, Missouri becomes the first abortion-free state. 
Thanks to the legislation written and passed by my husband and other great pro-life legislators in Missouri, we are one big step closer to achieving our dream of actually ending abortion. So what's your goal? What would you achieve if you could not fail? Go ahead, write it down, make it a reality. In these darker days, I want you to focus on how much of a difference you can make when you focus on your dream and, not be, and don't be afraid to stand alone sometimes. And that's your doctor's orders for tonight. And before we go, I want to close the show with a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that is very relevant to where we find ourselves today also. He said this, I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. This is why right, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil, triumphant. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and thank you to everyone here at your new home for real news here at Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6B, up next with Damon and the crew. Hug your children, love your God, you go boldly now and live the truth. Good night, everybody.